everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 23, Topic Grab Bag, recorded September 16th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week, we're going to reach into the grab bag and pull up a series of small topics that weren't enough to make a whole show, but that we wanted to do anyway. So, Topic Grab Bag. I couldn't come up with a better uh, title two seconds before the show, so that's what you're stuck with. And here to grab topics out of the bag with me this week are (laughs) (laughs) the Professor James Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. Hi, James. How are you, brother? Howdy. I'm I'm pretty darn well. Thank you so much. So nice to be here. Good to see everyone. As long as we're not grabbing Steve's love sack, I think we'll be okay, right? Oh man, that's hard <laughs> to bring it up. <laughs> and that's the, that Steve is Mr. Steve Chirabino of howtopodcast.biz. Hiya, Steve. Hello. I didn't even know we had a grab bag. So it's cool to know we have one and we can grab stuff out of it. I just made it up just now. It's uh it's made out of spandex and uh, neoprene and it's chemically <laughs> bonded together. <laughs> that's awesome. Probably smells good. All right. It smells like potpourri, oddly. <laughs> oh, so I just wanted to start off by saying interwebs to the rescue for me today. Um, as I've mentioned a number of times on this show, I am a displaced Cal- Dallas Cowboys fan. And here in Atlanta, the Cowboys aren't on unless it's a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. My next door neighbor also happens to be a Cowboys fan, and he was telling me he's got the AT&T U-verse, everything, football, no matter what bundle. So we were all going to – I was going to go over to his house, and we were going to sit back and, and watch the show, uh, watch the game, and, and have a, a couple of drinks together. And uh, I go over there, and he says, yeah, it's not on. Wait a minute. What do you mean it's not on? You're supposed to have every football game played every week. <laughs> no. It's not on. So I came back to my house where I have my little uh, entertainment uh, PC hooked up to my computer, went to the web and typed NFL football streaming and found an illegal stream off of somebody's show, and we watched it on my television. So we got to watch the uh, Cowboys get stomped uh, by the Seahawks. Uh, and I, you know, I would rather have had gone the other way, but at least I got to see it thanks to the wonders of the intertubes. So uh, if you uh, don't have any moral compunction about breaking stupid uh, blackout rules, uh, that's a good solution if you need to watch your team play. I, I've done and that. For those on a, of you I've done listening it on a, from NFL, um, that was Mark speaking. <laughs> yes, NFL, come after Mark. Um, but I've done that too. I've, I do it on a Linux machine, though, because I'm scared um, because when you go to those sites, you get about 9,000 pop-up or not pop-ups, yeah. but just like fake ads. And you got to kind of click through a forest of ads to get to the actual game where they kind of trick you to like installing a, like a fake right. fi- a flash player and stuff. Um, the site I used, I think it was called first row TV or something like that. Yeah, anyway, that's the one front row yeah. TV. I think it is. Is that yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, but right. I go to it in Chrome with an ad blocker on. And I just went straight to the show, so it was perfect. Okay, all right. Adblock Plus for the that. win. Uh, but yeah, it was nice. uh, you know it was not awesome quality, but at least I got to see the game. No. Uh, and then after it yeah. was over, we switched back over to regular TV and watched the uh, the rest of the Steelers game in high def, and it was like, whoa, 
What a difference between totally. actual broadcast television and crap streamed over the internet. But hey, like I said, at least I got to see the game. It's actually amazing how you get used to it, though. After watch, if right. you watch the crap, like after ten minutes, you're like, ah, it's not crappy anymore. Right. You know, you just kind of get used to it. Yeah. Which is like people listening to the show. They got used to the crap after about episode five, and now they just think it's a good show. I hope they got used to the crap. I'm going with that. <laughs> uh, so, one other thing before we get started, I complained or commented uh, last week that we have not had a voicemail on this show yet. And so, uh, our good friend Steve <laughs> just lost his name. I only door to door geek, Steve McLaughlin. That's right. It just, I know him as door and my brain could not come up with a good friend. Steve McLaughlin decided he would leave us a voicemail. So let's hear what he has to say. Hello, Mark. This is uh door to door geek, AKA Steve McLaughlin. I wanted to leave a message for art of podcasting with that. Hello, Steve. Hello, professor. I guess that just sounds cool. Um, I gotta say really enjoying your podcast. Uh, really like the like. Smith stuff fog. I you know, you gotta respect Mike Smith, even though dude, I can't do that much editing. Uh but I really respect him. Um good very good show, very good stuff. I wanted to ask you guys and hopefully it doesn't cause um any controversy amongst yourself, but how do you guys feel about listening to your own podcast? I feel like it's kind of necessary and a must but I also feel like the majority of people who do a podcast do not listen to their own podcast after the fact. Uh, I think it's kind of vital. I think it's kind of necessary to grow as a quote-unquote artist. Uh, and with that, I will say I'm not voicing you just to get my site mentioned because if you notice, I didn't mention it. And I forget to mention it every time I'm on a show with anyone else. Uh, thank you for the show. Please keep it up. I do also like hearing the mixer and the mic and all that information. Very good stuff. All right, Mark, I'm happy to hear your movement successful. I'm sad to hear that your smoker went kaput, but I am looking forward to your next generation smoker build. Take it easy, guys. Bye. All right. everything. And if he wouldn't mention his show, I, uh, his website, I will. It's uh, doordoorgeek.com. Uh, where you can also check out his podcast, Linux, for the rest of us, who uh, he has a uh, co-host, some other guy named Stan, I think it is. Yeah, Stan needs some work. He's he's not very good. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, Door will uh, kick him into into shape, and and we'll get that taken care of. Unlikely. <laughs> Unlikely. Uh, so yeah, the the smoker actually today, uh, I my bacon was finished after three weeks curing, and I didn't have a smoker to smoke it in. So I had to bake the bacon. And it's okay, but it's not smoked. You know, it wasn't that good applewood smoke. So, yeah, I'm going to have to work on that. So uh, the question, listening to your own podcasts, uh, I don't think we're going to disagree with this at all. I think you, you should as a worry, uh, as a uh, um, matter of quality control. Now, I don't listen to every word of every show because I do six shows a week, and if I listen to that, I wouldn't listen to anything else. And frankly, I don't like myself enough to listen to me that much. Uh, but I do listen to a little bit of each show. I listen to the beginning. I scrub through and listen to a little bit in the middle. And then I listen to the end just to make sure all the editing was good and the sound quality was there. Uh, James, what do you think? I never listen to this show. Never, never, never listen. Now, that's not entirely true because when Mike was on and I was not on, I did listen to the show. 
But if I'm on, no, I'm not gonna, I gotta listen to this show. Now, to to be fair, his point is, of course, regarding quality control and in and doing things better. And with my videos that I produce, which are these days the closest thing I have to constantly putting out uh, a piece of material and content constantly, I have I have to listen to every single bit of that. Um, the advantage I have, of course, is that if I'm if I go all the way through it and I don't like it. I just throw it out and I do it again, but I, I have to listen to every moment because I'm doing two and three takes. I'm stopping in the middle of a sentence and starting over again. It's a lot of editing involved to go through that. Um, if I didn't have to do it, <laughs> no, probably wouldn't listen. Now I will agree with you. It's a great idea. I'm just not someone who can do what I'm afraid. And uh, Stan, what do you think? Ha. <laughs> yes i think that uh you should definitely listen to your shows um but i'm like you mark i don't listen to all of them every every once in a while i will listen to one just to hear um if there's anything that needs correction on my part i do it as quality control like uh dwarf said and it needs to be done i mean there's there's people who do podcasts that never listen to their show and you just wish that they did because they would notice things that need to be fixed and um the part of being a good podcaster is you have to be able to put yourself in the listener's shoes and have the listener's ears for a while and hear how it sounds to somebody who's not you, you know? Um, it, you get a lot out of it that way. You could fix a lot. You could find out what you need to improve on, and uh, it's huge. So I definitely recommend listening to shows. You don't have to listen to every single one, but, you know, listen to a couple here and there and just keep listening along the way. I mean, I've, I've heard people with microphones that are just terrible, and they think they're good. They think the mics are good and they think they sound good, but they've never listened to the show. So they don't, they can't really tell that it's not. So just, uh, yeah, listen to this every couple shows. And one thing I know, I don't know if you guys uh, have this experience, but I know in my audience, uh, if something doesn't sound good, they let me know. They do a pretty good job of quality control, uh, letting me know. But by that point, it's already, it's already too late, right? Uh, so I do like to, I have my own shows in my feed. Because when I get up, you know, on Thursday morning and look at my my phone, I know that it that it either worked or it didn't. So I have it there in the mix, and I like to listen in the mix with other shows, so that I can tell I can compare the difference, so that I can tell if mine are uh, a lot louder than the average podcast or a lot quieter than the average podcast, or uh, you know, or about the same. And actually, I like mine to be just a little louder. I like mine to to sound a little louder, to have not necessarily more volume but more loudness. Uh, as, but you know, I like to listen to them in the mix of other podcasts just to get the, the overall gestalt of, of how they fit in the world of podcasting. There is something in the music industry called the loudness wars and you are contributing to that Mark. Uh, I am yeah. guilty. Yes. <laughs> <Have> you, <laughs> basically what I've, if anybody doesn't know it's songs are, you know, characteristically louder than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago on, on a graduated scale. They're like more louder every year because they have the idea that things sound, when things are louder, they just sound better. This is what they think the, the consumer thinks and they've done surveys or whatever and experiments and when you play two things that are pretty much identical and one's louder, you think the louder one sounds better. So everybody's trying to make, all the artists and even some podcasts are trying to make their their shows or songs as loud as possible without clipping and um it's contributed to something called the loudness where, where you lose a lot of texture 
of the music or of the show because it's all at the same volume, completely loud. For podcasting, it kind of works because it, it makes a more listenable show. But for music, you, you miss a lot of uh, like nuances in the song, so it's not a very good thing. But that's just that's just an aside. Yeah, and that's done largely with compression. Uh, the way you make a song sound louder without being louder is by uh, taking out the highs and lows. The difference between the softest part and the loudest part, uh, you want that as little as, as possible. And that makes the overall thing sound louder. Uh, in the case of uh, rock music, that really uh, glaring cymbal that should jump out at you and be jarring is, is sort of becomes the benchmark. And you try to raise everything up to that level so that eventually the whole song kind of sounds like a clashing cymbal. Exactly. Exactly. And you have ear fatigue from listening. Yeah, and that's that's a that yeah, that's a an actual word. He didn't make that up. Ear fatigue is is it's a measurable thing. And guys have found that that listening to songs just makes your ears tireder. And afterwards you after you do it for a while, you can't distinguish um between really good tones and bad tones anymore. It it's uh, we're raising up a whole generation of kids who think the beats audio is good sound. Exactly. Exactly. And having like done a lot of research the past couple months on headphones, I, I kind of stopped. But for like two months there, I was all about headphones. I compared it to uh, tons of other headphones in the market, and they're just they're not good. They just are not good compared to like I bought a set of Shure SRH840s and buy you know pick up a pair of those, put them on, and then pick up a pair of Beats and put them on, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There's no. Beats is all about the bass and just totally cut out treble. It just sounds like mud. And um, yeah, I agree. Beats aren't that, they're just not good, but they sell them like crazy. Yeah. And what's with the big anyway. headphones becoming popular again? Right now, everybody wants to have the next thing you know, we'll be having the big jam boxes on your shoulder with your iPod docked into it. Everything is getting bigger, you know? Um, and it's like a you know, You've seen them, them right? No. It, have I you just, seen? No, that's a real thing. That's a real thing. They're out now. Boom boxes with iPod docks. You got you nailed it exactly, Mar. Yeah, they're it's, out there. It's crazy. So we have the technology to make really small earbuds that sound good, but these kids want to wear these big things because that's the status symbol. They're red and white, so everybody knows their beats. And so yeah, it's it's terrible. Kids today, no. why when I was their age, I had a Sony Walkman and I was happy about it. <laughs> Well, the Sony Walkmans were cool, too. The yellow ones, of course. The sport ones. Yeah, with the big spongy head earphone pieces <laughs> that would just soak up sweat. So, anyway, uh, uh, James was going to talk about one of the first things that we grabbed out of the bag uh, was James uh, was going to talk about how to incorporate live calls into your podcast. Now, the way I do that, and by the way, if you're watching the video feed, uh, I just have to apologize for the utter terrible quality of it. That's just the Google Hangout being Google. Uh, but anyway, um, take, uh, the way I handle live calls on my show is with Google Voice. I have a Google Voice number set up that and rings to an email box, and uh, and I can answer calls or make calls. But that's the, the super cheap way to go. James is going to tell you the way he likes to do it. Ready, go. Well, my thing was not really me making a call or receiving a call from a single person, I wanted to have 
multiple people queued up and simply take calls one after the other. Ah, yes. Just like you would be calling into a radio show, that type of thing. But it, you know, just that one thing, you just want to do one thing. That's all I wanted to do. But of course, making that one thing happen involves a lot of moving parts and a lot of complexity. And I, I was in a situation this weekend where I, I wanted to do this and it ended up being quite a number of hours of work going into it. And it's one of those things where you, you not only learn more about some techniques you can use to, to, to perform this actual function, but you find out how good your equipment is because now I'm asking for new things from my mixer. I'm looking for uh, new capabilities that I didn't have before. And, and it's one of those things where the, where I say in my house that I start a project and, and my projects tend to be very biblical in nature because a project will begat a project will begat <laughs> a project. So this is one of those where the idea of Collins begat project after project after project. We may touch on some of that in a bit, uh, because part of, part of what I have in the, in the, we have time maybe it's this week or maybe it's next week is uh, my mixer that i've really liked i just have decided it's crap and it was like in an instant like in a day i don't like it at all there's things i need in a mixer that <laughs> this one doesn't have we can we can talk about that in fact it fits nicely into the topic we think we might talk about next week so that'll be a little teaser for everybody so Did i sat down and mixer? tried to figure out no and well no so there's there's your tldr do not have a new mixer yet so we will we will get to more of that so first, let's take a step back because taking phone calls on the radio has been something that we've heard on the radio forever. You know, there, you can always take phone calls on the radio with older telephone lines. Of course, this was very, very, very hard to do. Your, your traditional phone line coming in has two wires and it does not separate out the send and the receive when everything is on one pair of wires and that's it. So when you're working with a mixer or you're working with this type of technology that we're doing now where you want to communicate with people over this radio type system, we're not picking up a phone and talking because people can't hear that telephone. You have to have it in a mixer. There has to be a send and a receive. So how do you break out a send and a receive out of a traditional phone line, out of the plain old telephone system? And in the past, we've done that over those old analog lines with something called a digital hybrid. And I have a digital hybrid, so if I had an extra phone line coming into my house, I could plug it into that. These digital hybrids are, are very, very advanced pieces of technology that can take a two-line system, and they are smart enough through the technology that they built into it with digital signal processing and a lot of other pieces that they use, some proprietary, some mostly everybody uses. But this piece of equipment will take a phone line in and then split out for your mixer a send and they receive. It's like magic. In, in the digital age, of course, we don't use regular old phone lines. In fact, from an audio perspective, it's so much easier now because you're getting a send and a receive. We're, we're connected right now via Skype. You can do this via Google Hangout. You can do it via Google Talk. Now you've got packets that are heading to me. That's my receive. Packets I'm sending to you. That's my send. In many ways, it's so much easier now. You don't have to have a lot of complex digital signal processing. You don't have to worry about the sender and the receiver blending together and hearing each other on the same phone line. So in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's so simple now to make this happen. Well, 
that's great. And the way we're doing it with Skype involves a lot of Skype instances and people calling in and you calling out to us. And we're now all talking together and you've mixed everything together on your side. But it's sort of limited. We aren't starting a phone call and having people call in automatically. We're not queuing up a bunch of calls. I'm not able to see a panel of calls and click people's names. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to set up or at least have the capability that if I wanted to do a live stream that I could queue up 20 calls and say, caller number one, go ahead. Finish caller number one, caller number two, you go ahead. And they're just sitting waiting on hold for that to happen. So Which I started looking around at some of the services. You didn't expect this to be easy, did you, James? Have you guys ever done anything like this before? No, no. It sounds like it would take like multiple phone lines and and stuff. And well, that computer just was really loud when it started up just then. Uh, it sounds like it would take lots of different phone lines and stuff. And so, no, I've never even attempted anything like this. You know why I didn't do it? Because I, I didn't want to use phone lines. I, I didn't like the quality of them. I wanted to just use Skype. But that but that cuts out a lot of your potential callers. It does. Uh, and that's the challenge you have is Skype in itself is relatively complex. I wanted something where people could grab their phone, pick it up, make a call. You're done. That's it. That's as simple as it gets. Um, and at least have the option. What I was trying to do was not an involved podcast. I just wanted to have a communication with people. And this would be a great way to do it. And obviously, yes, there's challenges with phone lines. And I recognize that. Um, and, and so I started looking around. What is available out there? that can give me that capability. Um, there, was, there was practically nothing available if I wanted to do this myself on my own systems, in my own, on my own server, uh, on my own machines here in my home office, in my studio. Y you see this sometimes if you go into a, like a team speak. You know, there's a good example of everybody getting in one big conference call and you can all talk and you can all communicate. But again, there's no integration to a phone line you can't manage it. You can't put people on hold. You can't pause people. That's what I wanted. So I found two services that do this type of thing. One is called TalkShoe, S-H-O-E. Uh, it's named uh, after the old, uh, the old television show uh, where he was going to have a really big shoe. So that, that, that kind of goes back to quite a, quite a long way back. But that's the idea behind, uh, behind the name, TalkShoe. Um, and it's, it does exactly that. It can queue up people and you can go to that queue. I'll talk a little more about that. Another one I found that seemed to have a much nicer front end uh, was one called Blog Talk Radio. Blog, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com. Now, both of these work pretty much the same way. Uh, you, as a someone who is producing the content, you call in to your, your special line on TalkShoe or you call into your special line on Blog Talk Radio and you set up a channel effectively to your studio. It's a virtual studio. You pop up a web page or you pop up an application to your studio. And now you're connected to your studio. Then you hand out a phone number to everybody else. In the case of Blog Talk Radio and in the case of TalkShoe, they can also support Skype dial-in as well, Skype to Skype. So there's no cost, extra cost associated with it. And as people call into your number, it just sticks them in a queue on your screen. And you are dialed in and connected 
to your studio, you've got a web app that controls whether you can mute people or not. And now you can go through the list and start muting and unmuting people. In the case of both Talk Show and Blog Talk Radio, you could even have a producer behind the scenes who's now filling in a person's name. There's integration with chatting. All of these services integrate on a back end to have you automate an iTunes process for, for blogging automatically and, and having your podcast automatically posted to iTunes and to an RSS feed. It, it really is quite a very, very smooth method to get that working. And it sounded so good. Yeah, that was my question. What's the sound quality going through <laughs> the, you know, the POTS telephone system? It can't be good. It's it's not bad. I'm not asking people to sing for me. I'm just wanting to take questions and have a conversation in a way that I've never been able to before. I can take questions on a voicemail like we did with Dor earlier in this episode. I can take I take questions for the things that I do, like my study group that I do this weekend. When you register for the study group, I ask you to submit a question. So there's another way that I get that back, but I don't have a way to interact. I can't ask more questions about the question that you're asking. I can't find out more information so what, about did, what you want to know about that. Well, why did you say it sounds perfect? What's the problem with it? Aha. So now there's the rub. So so let, now I thought that's it. Great. This is perfect. Uh, TalkShoe is, is almost perfectly free for as much as you you would like to do it's one of those models that wraps ads and other things around it so that's a great model uh, blog talk radio gives you 30 minutes free um i can't talk 30 minutes for nothing i'm talking hours at a time so that one i i like the front end i have not had a chance to use it i would like to try it out maybe i will and report back but i decided to go with talk shoot and i set it up on my computer to do this now of course now now i'm adding more things into the mix I have, uh, through what we do here every week, talked on Skype, back to you guys, uh, really back to Mark, and we've had conversations that way. I use Skype during the week. I do uh, live web front ends, live web meetings from my desktop during the week. I've got a microphone. i got a mixer. i got everything I need. I don't need anything else. That's it. Except I'm doing an extra thing when I'm having the call-in show. I have a live stream up that I have to send data out. So I have to take everything both that I'm saying and the caller is saying and send it out my stream. Then I have to, of course, take the caller's audio and not send them back their audio. I need to mix minus their audio because otherwise they'll hear an echo of themselves and they're just confused and that's not going to work very well for any of us. I need to make sure my audio is going down back to at least my audio is going back to the person who called me down to talk to you. And then I somehow have to get all of that out on the same computer, in my particular case, out the stream. So already there's there's a snake of moving parts. That, that doesn't of sound my complicated office. at all. That sounds perfectly simple. No, it sounds very simple. Actually, once you sit down and, and and write it all out and figure out all the things you want to do, it's actually not so hard to make it happen. But in my particular case, I'm using an Alesis Multimix 16. This is a FireWire that I don't use the FireWire on because the FireWire, as I've mentioned in the past, doesn't work. I don't know if anybody knows this. The entire topology of FireWire is broken. It's, so, so of course, uh, here, uh, Steve will, of course, tell you it works perfectly if you have the right equipment. I don't have the right equipment. Actually, so, I don't um, know. I don't know so that. That's my I, just know, I know Mike Smith has a FireWire Mackie. 
but I guess at least, and he, you know, swears by his. That's the only thing I was going by. I never tried Firewire Mixer myself. So, well, you've got the the old PreSonus that you had, or say the relatively new one you used to use was Firewire, as I recall. I still say so you get that for what you're doing. I, I would recommend I, for what yeah, you say well, you're doing. Well, next week we'll talk about mixers and the other things that I found. Um, so I've already gone way past a firewire, way past firewire. I've got, I've got diamonds in my eyes. So let's go back to. Let's <laughs> oh, go back to the mixer. I, I want to talk about that this show, but we'll, okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, my mixer, this this particular mixer has a lot of channels in it. It's a sixteen channel mixer. I have a lot of XLR. I've got a lot of stereo pairs that are set up on here. It's It's been an incredibly effective mixer. It has an extra alt bus and alt 3-4 bus on here. So there's a completely separate bus available. And in the past, I've been using that bus to be able to do my mix minus, which is not really the best way to do it, but that's the way I've been doing it. Now, I say this because if you ever go look at the specs for this mixer, it does not have an insert jack. There's nowhere, if you, if you look at a mixer and the flow of the audio as it flows through the mixer, you generally look at the at the very top of the mixer, the part that's farthest away from you. There's usually an XLR port or a couple of, of quarter inch jacks on it. The audio starts there and then the audio flows towards you. There's usually a gain control right after that sometimes so you can adjust the gain immediately once the audio gets in there you probably right after that have something like some um some type of of capabilities for equalization on there after that are usually some auxiliary connections to be able to take that data and send it out perhaps to a monitor or something like that then there's usually settings for balance then finally you get down to the potentiometer the thing that's actually making it louder or softer so the, the the audio flows that way. You'll notice in that description, nowhere in there was a jack that said insert. And for those of you, those of you and those of us that use compressors, that makes it really, really easy to integrate the compressor into your entire mixed environment. If you have a compressor or you would like to buy a mixer and a compressor, look for a mixer that has that insert connection on it. If you look at some of the Mackies and some, in fact, some of the, the Elises have this, on, on almost every one of the channels might be an option for an insert jack that goes to the compressor, comes right back out. So before your audio even flows down the mixer towards you, it's already compressed. And it's, it's, it's so generally speaking, it's the most expensive devices that have that. Your lower end devices don't, which means all the ones that we're likely to have, if you're listening to the show, aren't going to have that. I've, I've gone into some detail about the... Uh, uh, rather ridiculous constraints I have to go through to create an insert so that I can have a mixer uh, or a compressor in line with my mic in the past. Which in, which indeed begs the question now of if there's not a, an insert jack on mine, where am I doing this? Now, by the way, I did find Mackie has a very nice line of professional mixers, the Pro FX12, which is comparable to what I'm running here. I don't need 16 channels, but I 12 would work fine, is a $300 mixer. Now, that's not breaking the bank, and it has insert jacks for four of those XLRs that are on that mixer. So there's some, I'm noticing I, there's some you, opportunities. James? I mean, inserts are cool, but for what you are telling me, from what I understand that you want to do, an auxiliary send is what you want. 
the more if you if you have a, I'm if getting your into that has, part. Okay, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Yep, yep, yep. You're you are absolutely correct in that and, way. And so, a poor man's way to do it without a, um, uh, um, an insert, by the way, is just a cheap preamp into your device and back out. Works fine too. Yeah, my challenge, of course, is I want the reason I'm mentioning this is because I not only want to compress, but I want control of the the compressed audio still in my mixer. The way I was doing it prior to this is I was going in my compressor and sending that completely out and directly into uh, my computer, which is which works. I mean, that's fine. But I wanted more control over that audio. So what I ended up doing was taking my additional bus and just sending that bus out to the mixer and having that. Can, can you tell people what a bus thing. is in case they don't know? On a on a mixer, so especially one of these, and it's you a have large to look vehicle at, that you generally send kids to school is. on. Often yellow. It's yellow. Yes, <laughs> it's a short one. There's a big one. Um, uh, on my particular mixer, and usually you don't see additional buses like this on this mixer. It's a usually see it represented as a main mix on the bus, and then there's an alt bus. On mine, it is an alt three four bus. On some mixers, you might even have an alt. Five six or even a seven eight. You can have multiple, uh, effectively multiple audio channels that are all independent of each other. Or they may the say end, they may say aux send and aux return. Same thing. The, then the, the the aux is different than the alt on my particular mixer, which is why I mentioned this. So we'll get to the auxiliary or the aux sends and the aux receives in a moment. My channel, my additional two channels for my alt channels are the ones that give me complete independent audio in the same mixer, which is something you don't normally see on lower end mixers. And I love that about this particular mixer. So I can send my voice out a completely different section of the mixer than other music might be playing. And that makes it really useful to start blending things together and sending things elsewhere and, and mix minusing, which is effectively what I was doing with that before. So also on your mixer, is probably a section right in the middle as that as the audio comes down called the aux channels. And usually every single channel that you have on your mixer, you have the ability to take that audio and send it somewhere else. You'll still use it on that particular channel, so you can still uh, mix it the way you would like, but you can take that audio and send it elsewhere. You can think about this when people are on stage performing, they're singing a song, they're talking into a microphone, it's really useful if they can hear themselves back so they can hear what they're doing, especially if it's a loud environment. And that's what it was usually built for is you can take and, and the aux is often even even labeled mon for monitor. So you could say, I'm going to plug in a, a monitor speaker to this or maybe some head, headphones to this and send it out to the person who's singing so they can just hear themselves. They don't hear anything else that's in the mixer. Well, that's perfect, as Steve just mentioned, for doing mix minus. It's fantastic. And that ultimately is how I started breaking apart my mixer this weekend and building in a separate method of mix minus. So as I looked at this, I, I ran into a bit of a problem is that this mixer doesn't have a lot of outputs. And I'd been doing everything at this point with pretty much leaving everything stereo. And I realized pretty quickly, well, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. I don't have enough outputs on this particular mixer to be able to do that. Um, so I ultimately uh, connected my uh, compressor out through my alt bus 
and brought it back into my mixer on my main bus. So now I've, you know, my, this voice that I'm speaking in, nobody even hears until it goes to the compressor and finally comes back almost as if I just plugged my microphone right into the mixer to begin with. That makes it really easy to keep that in mind. Then I, I started working with these extra buses that I've got. I used to use some of them for some monitors in the room, some speakers in the room. And I realized pretty quickly if I wanted to do the, the call in, that wasn't going to work. I, I needed those outputs. This, that's where I started to mention earlier that I'm, I'm, I need a bigger mixer. I need a better mixer. I need more capabilities. This is where I started to see that. See, the gear lust sets in and you're like, I need more. It, I have to have more. More power. I needed more power. Um, so I ripped out now, now to, 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 to really combine all these things together. Um, I had, uh, I think on every single connector on my mixer, some type of adapter. There was, there was, I, I, for some reason don't have the cables I need to do anything ever, but I'm, I'm not proud. I will MacGyver whatever I have at the time. So I go to my desk. I rumble through it. I've got, uh, let's see, here's some kind of quarter inch splitter. I can use that. And here's, here's another one that converts from eighth inch to quarter and they'll, they'll all fit together. And so as I was breaking apart my mixer, realizing what idiot set up the cabling for this monstrosity. And it was of course me. I'm the one who did all of that. So this gave me an opportunity <laughs> to also break everything apart, get some proper cables plug them in directly and it's remarkable i know this is hard to believe it's remarkable how much better your audio gets when you actually connect things up without all of these separate connectors in there always something nice to have there um, in the chat room they're asking is are we doing this with fiber nothing i have associated with my mixer is done with fiber i do have some digital outs on my mixer that i'm just not using but um those are copper digital outs um, but this is all analog and it's all copper. So fortunately, I have um, I had another USB um, a USB audio interface in my office that I simply plugged in back to the back of this other computer because I realized very quickly I need one audio to go out and manage my stream. I need a completely different audio input for the dial-in line, for the talk shoe line. So that was the first thing that was pretty important. So I connected up those connections and ran an additional set of inputs and outputs using the auxiliary out this time. So I could take my voice that had already been compressed, not only send it to you so you can hear it on my stream, but also connect it up and turn that auxiliary bus, that auxiliary send up just a little bit. In my case, I did it post fader. So uh, I could send this at whenever I did with my fader would affect what people hear on that auxiliary bus and I connected that to my additional, my brand new uh, audio input so that the person on TalkShoe could hear me talking. I could adjust my voice with my sliders, with my with my pots on the, on the mixer and then they would not hear anything else unless I started to, I could put music in here and also send that to the same Ox channel and they'd be able to hear it. So that took it wasn't, it wasn't hard to finally get there. It was hard to completely recreate my mixer and do things a little differently and realize you didn't punch the buttons right and you've got to reset the gain on that particular channel and all the things you deal with when you're setting up a mixer for the first time um, and, and get all of those things going. But once I did, it, I now have 
a separate audio channel. It goes to talk to you and people are able at least to hear the proper thing. And so your plan is to use this in during your uh, week sessions. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Or monthly? I, have a, I have a monthly study group for a plus and a monthly study group for network plus. I usually do them one week after the other. So at least twice a month, but I want to do more and I want to do other types of call in shows. So um, not just those study groups. So that's the idea is I would be able to roll this into doing other things with it now that it's up and running and, and working relatively well. I'm pretty happy with how all of that turned out. In my case, um, I've got in, in the chat room, they're saying, what about bandwidth that you're using to do all of these things? I have a Comcast uh, business line. So I have about uh, 20 or 25 megabit down and I have five megabit up and it's at a higher priority than residential. So I've got a little bit of an advantage there, but the reality is um, th that it's easy to do that. Now, the, the actual connection to TalkShoe was another set of problems, and that might be something to, to also dive into after this. Before I, I go on, any, any questions from the chat room or anything else so far? I have, <clears throat> I have a question for you. So uh, coming out of your mixer, are you still running into the iMic, the Griffin iMic, to record your audio? I, am, I kept my Griffin iMic as the audio input and output for the stream, effectively the audio going okay. out for the stream. So that stayed in one place. I grabbed an old U-Control, one of those Behringer U-Control USB with the, mm -hmm. the RCA. And this, it's painful to talk about both of these because neither one of those interfaces is a quiet interface. They are noisy. They're not balanced connections. They're just not made for professional audio. And I recognize this. So your cards and letters are appreciated, but I, I know that I've got to spend some bucks to do something like that. And maybe if I just had a mixer that maybe had USB built in, that's all I'm saying. Just need a new mixer. That's, that's it. That's again. <laughs> so, you're, so you're adjusting theme. levels on the fly. Uh, in other words, once it's, you're, you're still in the very end, you're going through two channels to your computer, right? So you're not recording each separate voice on a separate channel or are you? I am. It, it is because one's going in and out the Behringer, one's going in and out the iMic. So I can at least keep them separated, got them in different channels on my mixer, and I can pot them up and down and make them different sounds. So I can keep my voice high and then take the caller down or up as it might be needed. So that part worked fine. Gotcha. Now so the, the, connect, uh, the connect, sorry, go ahead. The uh, talk shoe is one, is, yeah. is that's out of a, a PC sound card. It's one connection. And all your calls are queued up to that one? Ah, the connection to TalkShoe. Um, TalkShoe, by default, you don't call them on the phone. I mean, you can, actually. You could pick up, um, you could grab your Skype and call it. And it's just like you would call it a standard phone number. But the audio there for the end user to listen to, that's not the best. You've got the limitations of a standard phone line. Yeah, that's okay, but not what I was looking for. They also allow you to connect in with a SIP connection, which ultimately still goes on the regular phone system. There's still limitations with that, but at least your signal to them is is all digital up to the point where you What's hit a SIP? that SIP connection. Oh, the SIP connection is a, uh, a, a voice over IP connection. So behind the scenes with voice over IP, if you use Google Voice or you use a voice over IP Vonage system or you use anything else, there are these standardized methods that are used 
for uh, for communicating and structuring the voice over IP communication. For uh, the longest time, a lot of what we've been doing was called uh, a standard called H323, H323. Uh, there's also another standard that tends to be more uh, something that's used more over the internet, which is something called session initialization, session initiation protocol or SIP. It's the language that the two endpoints use to communicate with each other. So they all are, all are speaking the same language. It's the thing that controls the phone. Yeah, SIP is just so, a just a uh, a language that everybody speaks, and you could do whatever you want to with it. But most commonly, it's used for voice over internet. So Google Voice. When you send make a phone call from your email, that's a SIP connection. Okay. Just give James so, a second to uh, wet his whistle and then. Thank you so much. Now, TalkShoe does give you an option to uh, use a SIP client, a generic SIP client, and connect to them and be able to uh, to send that phone call over, which would at least give you a little bit more clarity into the TalkShoe system. So, did you tie a um, Google Voice account to it? Is that how you did it? I did not. Um, so the Google Voice doesn't give you an easy way to talk SIP directly from your machine to TalkShoe. You have to go through Google. So that didn't work. That's not what I needed. I needed to talk SIP natively from my box, from my computer, directly to TalkShoe. So I had to load a separate client. And there's there's all kinds of really squirrely third-party SIP clients out there. And it's not an easy thing to get this configured because the SIP protocol embeds your IP address within the packets. I'm getting a little geeky here. Uh, when it gets to the other side, it tries to send back that SIP information using the original IP address. And as we know, because we're geeks and we deal with networks, we're on private networks in our home. We aren't using a public network. And so it gets to the other side and has no way to get back to us. So there are special configurations you can change where your SIP client, if it's smart enough, will go see if you're using like a home router. It will use that IP address, embed that in the traffic and send it out so everything works. So there's all these dials and moving parts and you have to try a lot of different things to get that to work. So that was another hour of my life um, <laughs> down the drain, but I did get it to work. So it, it's, it, it was squirrely and it was um, uh, really not the greatest setup and configuration. Now I find out, of course, the day of the day that I wanted to do this, that uh, TalkShoe also offers for five dollars a month on sale for half off a Skype direct connection, Skype to Skype, and I could have been done with this. Um, <laughs> just calling directly Skype, I don't killed me, and it requires a manual setup, and so it's not even configured yet. I haven't even tried it, but it also allows your um, the people calling in to use Skype to Skype, which is even better. So you'd have nice clear lines. You can call from anywhere because the numbers that you used to call in aren't 800 numbers. They're toll numbers. You are calling an American United States toll number. So the people that I had on my stream this weekend that were listening from Japan and that were listening from the United Kingdom and that were listening from, uh, from uh, all over, um, they were not able to call that line just because of the costs and the complexities involved unless they happen to have pennies that they would like to spend on Skype. It costs money. You know, I don't want people to, to go through that process. So you did this already. I mean, you had, actually had a show. Yeah, I did. So I set it up. Um, I, I now I talk, dial in TalkShoe and you can either go to a web front end on TalkShoe or you can load an application on your desktop that shows you 
who's now called in to your line because you call in with the phone number and then you put in a special code for the the uh, the podcast you want to listen to and participate in. So it popped it up. Everybody's in the list. And what I did was prior to doing this that day, two days prior, I just let ever I sent out a blast to everybody on my Twitter and my Facebook and my Google Plus and said, I'm just playing around with this thing. I got to get this working. I'm not sure if it works. I need some guinea pigs. If anybody's got some spare time, give me a call. You know, go to this web page, call this number, and let's try this out. And I did. I had about 10 or 12 people on the phone. We went through the calls. I screwed up the mix minus. So let me get another piece. You know, let me get the proper cable. We cabled it up properly then. Uh, got my audio fixed. Everybody was happy. And I just started going down the list and started taking calls and talking to people. And it worked like a charm. It really was wow. quite simple and easy to get running. I was very, very pleased. Awesome. That sounds fun, man. So you had to have a separate SIP client running on a PC somewhere. <laughs> I'm just trying to get the mechanics I, I of had, this down. Yeah, on the same computer. I did everything on the same machine. But yes, I had to have a separate SIP client that gave my connection out to this. Now, if I had a digital hybrid and a separate phone line, I could have done it with that. And it did my mixer. If I had, uh, I could have spent money on Skype and called that phone number and simply done it with a Skype phone number and spent the minutes on Skype to do it as well. I could have taken my cell phone and plugged it into the audio out and simply used the microphone piece to talk into. I could have done that and mixed it in that way. But I wanted to have it all on one single piece and have the audio as good as I could could possibly get it. What uh, what SIP client software did you use and did it cost oh you anything? Uh, it did not cost me anything, but I went through four or five SIP clients before I ever got it working. Um, ultimately, uh, on a Mac, so the one that I used was one called, let's see what this was called. Let me bring it up. It's probably going to break everything. X Meeting. So just this, a lot of open source, a lot of third party, a lot of things that worked, a lot of things that did not work, a lot of things that couldn't figure out my IP addressing, some that could. There was always a problem I would find somewhere. Um and so I finally found the X meeting. It worked perfectly. Saw the IP address, connect, created a connection. It was simple. It was easy. And ultimately it worked. And from this point forward, as soon as I get the Skype piece running, because I will pay them easily $2.50 a month, $5 a month to do a Skype, Skype to Skype with no minutes. It's free. Anybody can call. Are you kidding? Don't go through the hassle of SIP. Just do it with Skype. Holy cow. Okay. So but it worked. You uh you have the connection. Let's let's assume you've got the Skype connection working. Okay. So then yep. somebody can call you on Skype, call your SIP instance, your talk shoe yeah. instance on Skype. And right. they, they get call talk shoes phone number. That's right. Okay. So So they never they never call me. And and so they're calling a Skype to Skype call or they're calling a phone call to talk shoe? Currently, in the configuration I'm running now, in the free configuration with TalkShoe, they call a phone number. And on that phone number, they I, I give them the phone number and then there's a special call ID they put in. Thank you. Welcome to TalkShoe. Please enter your call ID number. And they put that call ID number and then they're on hold. And they can hear me talking on my show and they can hear everything going on. I see that an instance from that user has popped up in the list of everybody calling in that's on my TalkShoe control panel. And, but I don't hear them yet. I don't. I can't even hear anything going on on their side. They are completely muted. And in my list, there's an option in my list to unmute them. In TalkShoe, it gives you an idea of where they're calling from. Someone's calling from Oregon. If they're calling from South Alabama. If they're calling from 
uh, Washington, D.C. It pops up at least the location. So you can say, Washington, D.C., uh, you're on the line. What's your name and what's your question? And they'll hear in, in their phone side, it will say, you are now unmuted. And so they know immediately, oh, I'm unmuted. I can talk now. Um, and so then they can talk. And when I hit that button on the, on the piece of software that says, please unmute that person, behind the scenes it talks you, it syncs together and connects together that user and me. So there's a media blender that's going on in the back end that's integrating the voice system with that front end that I have that connects us together. And I can unmute multiple people at the same time, and it's all controlled from that web front end. And you're, you see ads in your interface, and that's it for TalkShoe? There's ads in the interface. Uh, I have not looked at what they do for a formal um, uh, a formal show because they have an entire ecosystem set up that if you know nothing about any of this, you can simply go to their site, say, I want to do a show. Okay, we'll call this number and put in your special code as someone wants to do a show. There's a record button right on it. It records everything. When you're done with the show, you hit the stop recording button. It stops the recording. You hit the button to please stick it on iTunes. It says, what do you want to call it? What is this show's episode? What is the go to iTunes and you're done. That's it. You don't, you don't even have to have a computer. Cool. So there's everything not, on your I just want to make sure there's not like reading ads on your show or whatever. Maybe there's ads during the on hold no. content or something. I, I don't think there are uh, their ads there. There's ads on their website. Um, they may stick ads on the audio itself. I don't know. But I'm I'm doing mine as an unlisted show. So you can't see me in the big list of shows that's coming up on TalkShoe. Um, mine is just one that I'm doing a one-off. I'm putting the phone number on the screen for the people watching my stream. I will handle all the other back-end process. I am paying a little more for the Skype dial-in. So there's a, you know, it's a value add that they're putting on that list and they have other things you can pay for. Um, but that's, that's how I chose to do it. And it, it seemed to work just fine. Cool. I'm not, I'm not following the Skype dial-in. What, how are you using Skype with this? They're, they're actually dialing a number or they're using Skype to call in. Well, this is, this is a separate feature they offer. So up to this point, I've not included Skype with this whole piece. People have had to call a U.S. toll number if they wanted to be on the show. So there wasn't a way to get people to call up with Skype. But if you pay TalkShoe a little bit extra, they will oh, create they open for up that you, option. They open up with that option. You call a special Skype, Skype to Skype number so that you can just load up a Skype client anywhere and just call it directly. And it picks gotcha. up and the same at that point, it's the same thing as if you called him with the phone. Thank you. Welcome to TalkShoe. Put in your special uh, call ID number yep. to connect to the show you're interested in. And at that point, you're touching the Skype numbers to go, okay, put me in that show. And now you're connected. The benefit, of course, is I'm Skype to Skype. They're Skype to Skype. It should be just like the quality we have when we're talking here. So do I have to have gotcha. Skype call out minutes to call your show on Skype? Currently, because it's a toll United States telephone number, you would which I didn't like. I don't want to put that barrier up. But if now that I've paid the extra money and there's a manual process, they have to do this for me on Monday is turn that on going forward from this point, it will be absolutely free Skype to Skype. So anywhere there's, in the world. there's like a, a Skype ID. Like, you know, you have, yep, I call you up is. on a Skype ID now. Now there's going to be a special talk to Skype ID for you that you give people at that right. contact, just like they would any other way. Yep, and they have multiple lines set up ready to take all of those calls on, a, I guess, a monster Skype system. That's awesome. That's a great service yeah. for no cost. 
for 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 little hey. to in this case free cost absolutely so you give your your listeners the option to a call on a phone or b call yep. on skype anybody can do one of those two things right and i don't have to host it i don't have to have a bunch of incoming lines i don't have to worry about how, how i put people on hold that's all done by the third party very cool this that sounds like a fun project you got yourself into. I, I know that feeling when you're in there with the mixer and you're trying to reroute everything and you're thinking <laughs> it through in your head and you're just like sitting there for hours staring at the th I've been there. And that's fun when you oh. get to the very end where you got to and, you, and it works. So good job, man. That is exactly where I was. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm very, very pleased with how it turned out. So going back to the Skype integration thing, now, now that once they flip that switch, you'll just make a Skype call? On your end as well? I will then just, yep, I'll just make a Skype call directly into TalkShoe. And uh, if I read it right, my people calling me will also have that, that, uh, that option as well. So that's, you I don't need the SIP client anymore. You don't have to do any nope. of that. Just, it's just a Skype contact on your list. I wish I had known that prior to going through an hour and a half of troubleshooting a SIP client. I'm, I'm a network guy. I know SIP. I'm extremely well versed in voiceover IP. Uh, you would not know that if you were to watch <laughs> me over my shoulder on Thursday night. What is this moron doing? He has no clue. <laughs> An idiot. <laughs> That's awesome. Good they also, story, James. They also have, uh, if you're in the United States, you want UK, they have other things like they have a United Kingdom phone number that you could set up as well so that people could call in from the United States. You, you might, you can also set up local numbers for the UK and there's extra costs for that as well. That's very cool. And it, it is the Skype piece that I'm going to do on Saturday. I have another user group uh, session, a user meeting set up uh, for the study group. And this one, as I'm Double checking now does allow both hosts and participants to call in on Skype to Skype. Very cool. So we, we need to see if we can get somebody from TalkShoe on and, and do an interview with them one time. That would be great. It, it, it's an interesting story for their organization. It comes from uh, some folks that used to work at Four Systems, which if you go way back, was a company that made ATM infrastructure equipment, ATM being asynchronous transfer mode, not the ATM like you would have on an automatic teller machine. This was a specialized kind of protocol and infrastructure being used by primarily large enterprises and telecommunications companies that allowed us for the very first time to blend together voice, video, and data. And what they did was take that idea of communication and they created a company out of it. All right. So we had a couple of other things that we were going to talk about, but you just spent like an hour on that and that was great. <laughs> oh, did I? I, was, I didn't talk a bit. That needed to be done. James had to tell us how he masterminded his whole operation there. And, and of course, it's going to blend into later how I tell you how I'm going to throw this mixer out and get something else. And of course, <laughs> I did do some dreaming and, and look through IP mixers and oh, I am in love. Hey, if you decide to throw that mixer out, throw it east because I could use it, or west because I could use it. It'd be north. What are you in love with? What IP mixer? I looked through uh, a series of IP mixers. There were a few I looked at. The uh, which one was the one I was I was late at night flipping through. Um, let me find exactly the, the one, one the one I was Leo looking uses. at. 
Uh, it is. It's the same brand, ultimately, I think, that that uh, that Twit uses uh, in that section when they, they do their talk radio show. It's the same company that's, uh, I think, that is Telus. It's that same company. But that's not the name they call their, I think you should mixers. get the pre I think you should get the Presonus Fire Studio project. You get, you have you don't have to have a you don't have to have a huge giant mixer on your your desk. It's all soft in the software, the mixing, and it just right. oh, I loved mine. It was awesome. Had all the routing you need. About fought three auxiliary sends. Oh, I was going to ask now in that that particular mixer setup, and this is what I really liked about the IP mixers, which simply you plug everything in on your inputs, you plug all your outputs in. And if you want to do mix minus, you just say on that channel, ah, let's just do mix minus on that one. And it's done. That's it. That's as much work as you have to do. You don't have to touch any cables. There's no wiring. There's no uh, changing of channels. You don't have to worry about how many channels you have. There's no agri. There's no alt bus. There's nothing. How much do oh, they you want to compress it? Thousands. <laughs> thousands of dollars for that. Okay. So, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the old tip jar donations are going to have to go way up before Elevant Opie Productions gets anything like that. <laughs> oh, but it's uh, it's nice. Uh, I'll have to find the links. Uh, they have some great YouTube videos um, that they look through. So I was I was going to go back to look through my my YouTube. What have I looked at lately? Just so I can give you guys a, an idea of what that was because it was pretty darn impressive. Oh, here's my history. Oops, I don't want to play anything. I just want to go through the history. Um, on my history, boy, I've done a lot of junk. I've just looked at tons of <laughs> crap this weekend, apparently. How many Justin Bieber um, videos? <laughs> there's a lot of just nonsense uh, on my list. Where is it? I'm going back, 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 back. Steve, back. you were going to say something while he's searching? I said I was going to say I don't even want to see it because there's probably going to be something I want and can't afford. Yeah, that's that's they, like uh, they do seem like very cool. You you have to love your mixer to be able to want these things. It is uh, it was quite <laughs> impressive to to flip through all of that. Especially you've gone through this process of of going through all of that things we talked about, where you're really redesigning your brain as to where the audio is going to go. Yeah, and then you finally run it. <laughs> you run into this thing that says. You just tell it that you want to do mix minus and it does. Where do I get this? Who do I throw <laughs> my money at for that piece? Uh, very, very right. impressive to have that. Yeah. That's so cool. Good Our, stuff, James. I think that's a good natural was, stopping place. And uh, if you're not watching the video, and there are only a handful of you are, but. Uh, uh, James was literally bouncing up and down in his chair like a kid at Christmas. He was talking about this. I can just do, do this, and I call him here, and it's just it's it was it was really exciting to to watch. He's totally geeked out about all this. It is. We should get somebody in the the one I was looking at. The IP was a, a Telos Axia uh, device. Uh, that's the one. Search for Telos Axia in YouTube. They've got great videos, and uh, you'll be bouncing around as well. <laughs> Yeah, and all you got to do is uh, knock off an ATM, and you're good to go. Pony up. All right. Well, that seems like a good place to wrap that up, and uh, we'll just sort of put a pin in it, and we've got a couple of other points that we'll come to uh, next week or even the week after. Uh, so I'll move on to the uh, lessons you learned this week, uh, and I'll go first. Uh, 
my lesson I learned this week is sometimes shows go away. And and it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, one of the shows on this network uh, is no more. You know, I, I have, I just said at the beginning of the show, I do six shows a week. I don't anymore. Now I do five shows a week. Uh, the, uh, the, it was myself and two co-hosts and wife sort of what we're can- we're canceled yeah i'm sorry you it gotta was, tell me this stuff Mark. yeah i was that was uh, a way to tell us <laughs> you couldn't have let me get to the end of the story <laughs> before i mentioned it all right guys this is our last show uh no um it's uh it's the education show that we do uh and sort of life jumped up and bit both of the co-hosts at the same time it was one of those things where one of them uh sent me an email sent us both an email and said look i, I can't do this anymore and the other one was like oh Thank God somebody finally said it. I'm out too. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, and, and that's okay. Yeah, there's there's nothing to be mad about. But I've seen shows, uh, podcast um, and television shows, Chuck comes to mind, uh, that have that lived long beyond when they should, you know? Um, and I didn't want to do this. We could go out and I could go scramble up some other hosts and we could do something, but, but I'm not going to because that show, it's over. You know, and it, it may be resurrected at some point in the in later, but that may be not. So if you're trying to, you know, to do this whole podcasting thing, don't consider it a failure if if a show comes to a natural end. That's okay. It doesn't reflect badly on you as the producer or as the host. It's just the way it is, and, and your audience will understand. So, you know, as a preface to this week's show, I, sp- I did like a little three-minute preface saying this is the last show and here's why. And, uh, you know, if uh, you could do a Cagney and Lacey thing and have a huge write-in vote if you wanted to come back and, and we'll see what we can do. See, our entire audience is too young to get that reference. Like an 80s yeah. reference right yeah. in the middle of the show there. Uh, I don't even think Steve is old enough to get that reference. <laughs> no, he's shaking his head. He doesn't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, just I just wanted to throw that out there. It's okay. If a show goes away, um, don't feel like you have to drag them on forever. And then sometimes maybe it's a good thing to go back. If you're doing multiple shows, like, well, James, you said your what a week podcast is on, um, uh, indefinite hiatus. You know, you just got <laughs> right. the point. You could either keep doing it poorly or you could stop doing it altogether. And given right. the choice between the two, stop doing it. That's, that's my lesson learned this week. James, how about you? My lesson learned is just when you think you've got everything set up perfectly, you better test that as well. Um, on this reconfiguration of my mixer, I deleted everything. I got the SIP client working. I called into uh, my uh, TalkShoe account. I used a separate phone and called myself. I'm like, this is cool. I can do phone calls. I sent out the blast on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, Google Plus two days before the actual event saying, I need you guys to test this with me. And I'm really glad I did because I forgot to take into account that I also needed to stream this. And that's when I had to realize, oh, I need an extra channel. I need to set up separate sound cards. I need to do this completely different. I forgot other people had to hear it, not just me. So that was a really good idea was have everybody test everything. And so I went through the process of testing calls, of testing music on my laptop, of testing the stream that was going out. And we ran into problems. We ran into multiple problems. I would have never been able to find those had I not tested it well before the actual event. That's a good one. And uh, Stan, how about you? Stan has a good lesson this week, folks. (laughs) Um, 
what I learned was, here's the thing. Sometimes you'll buy some hardware that does things really well. Like, for example, I, I'm a big fan of the new Avid M-Boxes. Avid used to be a company called DigiDesign. They make Pro Tools. And if you're familiar with studio recording, Pro Tools is the thing to get if you're in the studio. That's what the pros use in the studio. Personally, I don't like that software, but that's another story. Anyway, they, they make these great boxes called M-Boxes. The third generation M-Boxes are the one on, ones I'm talking about specifically. They're built like a tank, and they just sound awesome. them. So I have the M-Box Mini third generation, and I have the M-Box regular, whatever you want to call it, third generation. The problem with these is on PCs, if they're hooked up to your computer and your computer goes into standby mode, when the computer comes out of standby mode, you will have no audio and you'll have to reboot or you'll get a blue screen of death in some cases. Ugh. So this is true This is true with a couple audio interfaces. My Focusrite didn't like standby mode. The M-Boxes don't like standby mode, but then there's some that have no problem with it. So it might be something you want to research if you're using a computer that you'd like to have it go into standby and you don't want to have to unplug your USB and replug your USB in every time you come out of standby. So I love standby mode. It's like the mo my preferred mode of machine because I like to do something on a computer, walk away, come back and not have the computer just sucking up power the whole time I wasn't using it. So um, check out the specs on these uh, hardware interfaces and uh, see if it'll work in standby mode if you like standby mode. Just something yeah. to look out for. I have sort of the reverse issue. Uh, my entertainment center PC that I have connected to my TV, when my TV goes off, um, the computer forgets that there's that audio in it. Sometimes I have to reboot it just to get that back. So it kind of works both ways. Sometimes the devices yeah. don't like it, and sometimes the PC doesn't like it. Yes. I highly recommend these Mboxes, though. James pulled up a screenshot of them. They are, because uh, I, you guys know I've tested lots of audio interfaces, and these, like we talked about before, I think have the best digital audio to, con digital to audio and analog to, or digital to analog and analog to digital converters in any, like, reasonably priced consumer box that I found. They just, they sound fantastic. So uh, I highly recommend them. And what are they, a couple hundred bucks each? 300 maybe? The mini, the mini's like 230. Um, the M-Box is like 400. If you get it without Pro Tools, which I think is perfectly fine because I don't like Pro Tools. So uh, that's how much they cost without Pro Tools. But like I said, I do, I do a lot of um, digital music so I don't, I need a lot of the, uh, I don't need a lot of inputs on it. I just need two solid outputs, hook them up to two good monitors and it just sounds great. Cool. All right, guys, if you want to, uh, make your voice heard like door to door geek did, you can do that by going to elementop.com and clicking on the call us button. Uh, or, uh, you can, um, use the, uh, the actual telephone. They make those. So, you know, you can actually make phone calls on a telephone. People don't know that, uh, you, but you can use them for other. Uh, quick story. My daughter, the 10-year-old daughter, was talking to a friend of hers on the phone, and her friend said, let's just hang up and text. And so that's what they did. They were actually <laughs> in the middle of a phone conversation when she said, this is taking too long. Let's just hang up and text. But anyway, if you'd like that's to call us. That's you, pretty cool, actually. 559-IAM-OP <laughs> from anywhere in the continental U.S. or Canada. Um, I'm not sure about Mexico. Uh, you can um, 
You can uh, call us there and leave us a voicemail like uh, Door to Door Geek did, or you can go to the forums at elementop.com and uh, uh, write stuff there, words coming out of my mouth. Uh, make a forum post and we will read it. Or you can go to either one of these gentlemen's fine sites and I will let them tell you about those right now, starting with you, Mr. Steve Cherubino. Well, I'm actually taking a lot of my How to Podcast videos and putting them on YouTube. So um, you can go to howtopodcast.biz where the, the videos will be available. Um, in the YouTube embedded videos will be available, but they're not there yet. They're just on YouTube right now. So you can head over to YouTube and check out half of my videos are pretty much up there. And it's uh, How to Podcast Biz is the user, the YouTube username. So you can look for How to Podcast Biz. And all the videos are titled How to Podcast Like a Pro Weekend Webinar because it's about the seminar I did last year sometime. No. Gosh, it's almost like two years. Oh, yeah, it's last year. A little bit, a little bit over a year. Um, and uh, you can just watch them for free on YouTube. So enjoy them. All right. And Mr. James, what about yourself? For your IT training videos for thirty plus Microsoft, Linux, it's tons of videos. You can find them all at professormesser.com. All right. And so do that. Go there to those guys and uh, check them out. Uh, they will teach you stuff. Steve will teach you how to podcast. James will teach you how to be a geek. And I will teach you weird stuff about Florida news. Go listen to the periodic table and you'll know what that means. Uh, so that's all I got to say about that. Thanks for being with us, everybody. And that ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting.